When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. the gates and ready to go hot mic with Hutton and Withrow underway on this Wednesday edition glad you're with us across the Outkick network which includes the live stream on YouTube through the Outkick channel live on Twitter X Facebook Outkick.com and wherever you choose to check out the show which also includes this great radio partner we say thank you for that if you're listening live from 6th and Peabody with Ehop Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine Another jam-packed show coming up in 20 minutes. The Nigerian Nightmare, Christian Okoye, is on the show today. Always a great conversation and uh, look forward to getting his take on the value of NFL running backs now compared to his great year of 1989. Things have changed. Joe Theismann, also later this hour. Theismann, Theismann. He came in second in the Heisman vote. The man could sling it, whatever, however you want to pronounce his last name. He got no the doubt. job done. Commanders, Irish, a lot to discuss there. Uh, plus, in hour number two, Trey Wallace will join us with tons across the college football landscape that kicks off this weekend. Chad, good afternoon. Hutton is Nigerian nightmare, one of the best nicknames of all time and the most memorable for a guy who had like a, a Haley's Comet type career. Six years, right? Some six or seven years. Yeah, but I mean, he was injuries. just dominant for two or three. Right? He's one of those guys. He like, didn't, start, I, he didn't I play until 23 years old. Yeah, I think of like Terrell Davis. Yeah. You know, who got in the Hall of Fame based on two or three, four and, years. And postseason right? performances, too. Christian Okoye was one of the biggest stars in the NFL in the late 90s for like a year and a half to two year period even though he played for six. But that nickname is eternal. 260 pounds, and he ran. He, he was faster than Michael Irvin and Jerry Rice. That's why he was intimidating. And well, he was and nicknamed that by one of his teammates. He was almost ahead of his time because now, you know, these jumbo athletes, like I don't know that Christian Okoye is a – now Derrick Henry would probably disagree with this, with the size and speed and everything else, but I don't know that he's a running back today. If he's Maybe coming not. through the ranks, I think he's getting after a quarterback at his height. He and may his not speed. want to be a running back today, based on no. Pay. I think he's making more and probably playing longer yeah, in a different position. Sure. So we can get into about it, but I think about that with a number of guys that athletically were ahead of their time in some way, and I think Christian Okoye was one of those guys. And this was in an era where the best running back, or excuse me, the best athlete, you put it running back yes. and let them carry the ball. And that's not the case now. Oftentimes, the best uh, athlete will be a wide receiver or someone who's getting after the quarterback in some now way a corner. to disrupt the game yeah. or a corner. And Krishna Koye, we'll ask him about that. If he thinks, if he was coming up in the ranks today, would he be slotted to a different position? It's a great question. And he'll join us uh, coming up in 20 minutes. Uh, speaking of nightmares, that's where we start with our headlines of the day scorched earth. And that's what's going on with the Yankees currently. Uh, suffering their longest losing streak since 1982. It's now nine straight losses uh, for the Bronx Bombers, who are doing everything but that at, at bat. They're bombing in the standings. Now five games below 500. It has been since 1992 
that they finished the season with a losing record. And it's been since 1990 that they finished dead last in their division. Here we go. It's the, the, the race for last place in New York. And it doesn't seem like it's ending anytime soon, given the fact that over these nine games, Chad, they're hitting 176. And they have scored 21 runs in 81 innings. Yeah, no one that's not a Yankees fan feels the least bit sorry for this team because they've had so much success. that They will tout their 27 championships to anyone and everyone. I saw Spike Lee being interviewed at a Braves game when they brought up the score in the current game and the record between the two teams. At that point in the season, what did Spike Lee do? Pointed to his hat where he had 27 different pins uh, for all the championships for the Yankees. So that's what Yankees fans always have to hang over everyone, and good for them. And good for them for having this much success over the last 25 years, or at least since Derek Jeter got there. And now they, I'll say good for the rest of the baseball world yeah. that they can sit and watch them in misery, carrying on with this losing streak they haven't had since the year I was born in 1982. So I think this is good for everyone else that's not a Yankees fan. Yankees fans out there, I'm sure, hate this. They're not going to get any sympathy from the rest of the league and any other fan base because of that success that they've had. They played tonight. They could go for 10 straight losses. Uh, that would be the first time since 1913. Uh, so it's been 110 years since they've had 10 straight. The record, by the way, 12 losses in 1908. I think the rest of Baseball America is looking for that streak. And that goes to what Kurt Schilling told us yesterday. It's only a matter of time when Aaron Boone's going to be blamed for this. Well, score one for baseball mattering even to teams that don't spend at the highest level of salaries. Yeah. And that just because you can outspend people doesn't guarantee success. Examples, Mets, Yankees, Padres, all spend out the wazoo, all go for broke seemingly now every single year, all three of those teams struggling, not going to be in the playoffs. Meanwhile, you've got these stories like Tampa Bay, Baltimore, and others that are doing great. The, the Arizona Diamondbacks in the, in the playoff hunt. Look at some of these teams battling for playoff spot. Now, that's not to say that you know not having a high payroll isn't a good thing. The Philadelphia Phillies are going to be in the playoffs. They were in the World Series a year ago. They spend a ton. The Atlanta Braves are right around the top ten in payroll. They're the best team in baseball right now. Uh, the Astros, I mean, look, there are teams that spend that are doing well in the standings also, but this is a season that's a good example of it's not just money that drives the sport. you got to be smart. Good decision-making and building a roster, good drafting strategy. And we've seen that with certain teams, and at least for one year, you can't say that about the Yankees. Now, I do believe, and we talked to Kurt Schilling about this yesterday, I think this is a one-year step back for them. I think they will, re they will readjust. They'll be just fine a year from now. They still have the roster to win and win big. I think that will happen. I think the Mets will rebound next year also. But for everyone that doesn't spend like those teams spend, it's been a glorious summer. Well, for those wondering, uh, they've had 19 streaks of nine wins or more since they've had a streak like this of nine losses straight. In a and season. another reason that no one that's not no in pinstripes right. cares at all that's right. or is going to cry a single tear about the Yankees struggling. Chad, are we crying a tear for the Chicago White Sox? They're cleaning house, but at the same time, uh, the reports are that Jerry Reinsdorf, uh, six years left on the stadium lease, they could be on the move, and it could be right here to Music City, which is always mentioned as an expansion franchise or a 
relocation destination for a team on the move. Reports are that Reinsdorf could be considering, he's 87, could be considering selling a majority stake of the White Sox if they're going to be in a situation where they're not going to stay in Chicago or the surrounding area, if they're not going to come to terms on a new stadium or what's going to happen there with the city. Um, and if that's the case, what does that mean for Nashville, who is always the first city to be mentioned in this? And what's up with Chicago? It, the Bears acquire Arlington Heights. Then the tax increase is discussed, and all of a sudden they're backing out on moving forward with a new stadium in a property that they purchased that was a racetrack. And now the White Sox are not denying that they could be on the move without uh, a new a restructured lease in a new ballpark. What this is uh this is not good for the city and this is now two pro franchises trying to stake claim to the fact it's put up or shut up. And so far the city hasn't done it with the Bears and the White Sox could be on the move too. It's not the Cubs, but the White Sox could be leaving Chicago. I am a traditionalist through and through with a, a lot of things when you look at the historic aspect of sports, I value that. I've always honored it. I do think it's time to ask the question, does Chicago really need two Major League Baseball teams? Is that a market now? And I, I know the population and all of that, and it is America's second city. And if New York has two teams and L.A. has two teams, Chicago should have two teams. But how much of that is established fact of where we are right now in 2023 versus the Chicago White Sox have been around forever? The Chicago Black Sox scandal was in 1919. This team has been there for a long time in Chicago. But when we look at the realities of business and sport right now in 2023, is Chicago really a place that everyone that Hutton and I right now can stand up on this table for and argue? That is a city deserving of two Major League Baseball teams. Is the White Sox fan base in attendance that of deserving a second Major League Baseball team in a city? Is that not a Chicago Cubs town? First and foremost, and how many broken hearts will there be if the White Sox leave? It was a huge uproar when the Brooklyn Dodgers left for L.A. and the, the New York Giants left the polo grounds for San Francisco. And Major League Baseball has done just fine in those markets years later. Would Major League Baseball and the city of Chicago be just fine if the White Sox up and vanished and went to Nashville or Charlotte or Montreal, or anywhere else, I think they would. I don't know that this would be that big of a deal, quite frankly, if the White Sox left Chicago. I look forward to hearing from people from Chicago to tell me where I'm wrong well, on this, but I look at 2023 reality of pro sports, Hutton, and I think, is Chicago really worthy of two Major League Baseball teams? Think about this, though. It's also... It, it's not just where we are in 2023. It's where, and you're going back to the city. This You mentioned it's the Cub City. It is a Bears town. It is a Bears city. And even the Chicago Bears can't get what they're looking for in terms of the stadium. That That is what's concerning. It, it's the equivalent of the Cubs when you think of the, the Chicago Bears. If you're a White Sox fan or a Cubs fan, you're wearing Bears gear walking around the city in the preseason, right? So, like... You're pulling double duty. You're going to the matinee and then going to the preseason game at night, walking the city and having been there for preseason ball. It's weird. And they've got the Illinois State Sports Authority that was responsible for building what guaranteed rate stadium or field or whatever it is. You have the city itself 
and you also have uh, the, the lease that's six years up, and they haven't heard from the city on that. So the White Sox are putting this out there now. But if we're just going by recent, recent results, they're not going to get the response that they want. Also, Nashville doesn't have a stadium. Uh, it's going to be 2027 whenever the Titans build theirs and open theirs. So six years from now, that's too soon for Nashville to even be a relocation destination based on where they are with the political realm of is baseball right for Nashville in the current market? Yeah, and I think, and I don't want to turn this into a political argument, but I do think politics are going to shape this more than anything else. Sure, yeah. Because it's the cities that are willing to play ball and give a bunch of tax breaks uh, and help out billionaire owners that also want to bring billions of dollars to the city mm-hmm. with a professional sports team and who's willing to make that trade-off and, and who isn't. And property and, taxes. And for- you're right, Hutton. Chicago has shown itself as a city and Illinois as a state that's not willing to play that game with their pro sports teams as beloved as they are. And starting with the Chicago Bears, it's just not happening for them. We're six years away from this lease expiring mm-hmm. for the ballpark there in, in uh, the south side of Chicago. But if they find a willing dance partner that gives them more, that's hungry for Major League Baseball, that wants it in their city, like in Nashville or any other place that, that, that even Rob Manfred has speculated – is in line to get a, an expansion team or another team by relocation, then those owners are going to leave, even 87-year-old Jerry Reinsdorf. I, I'm guessing there's – I didn't look this up. There's got to be a succession plan for him. Sure, I mean, he's with right? the Bulls too. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, someone – I don't know his child situation, but someone's set to inherit quite the little Chicago sports <laughs> empire. Yeah. Uh, Reggie Bush would like to inherit his Heisman Trophy again and his records that were set in the 2005 season at USC – so he had a 10-year uh, ban from USC. He was not to be affiliated with the Trojan program. That was up in 2020. And now he is filing a defamation lawsuit against the NCAA uh, and pointing to all the reports about impermissible pay-for-play benefits that his lawyer is saying is inaccurate. More or less, they want to... They want his records restored because the Heisman Trust, they're pointing to his stats and his season being vacated by the NCAA as to why the Heisman is no longer on the trophy case for Reggie Bush and it's sitting empty for that season. We all saw what happened there. And given the, the, the landscape that we're currently watching unfold in front of us with NIL and everything else, while you still can't sign up for pay-for-play, whatever the $10,000 impermissible moving expenses and home benefits for family members of Reggie Bush, uh, that seems like a, a drop in the bucket compared to some of the numbers we're seeing now. That being said, the, the def- defamation aspect of this is intriguing and what they're calling false, given the fact it's 2023 and we're going back to 2009, 2010 when all of this went down. It's amazing because I, I think back to Rocky IV uh, when you know the Russian was cut and there was blood, and that's when it was okay. Th- this is this is happening now. There is blood in the water, and the sharks are are swarming. That's the NCAA right now. The NCAA is the Russian. It's Ivan Drago, and the NCAA is cut. And now everyone is seeing the opening of you guys are really full of it. Yeah. We've paid you respect for a long time, but now the Supreme Court has ruled that you're kind of full of it. 
and other things that you said that happened that was violations? Well, is it really a violation when you look at things today from that? You know, when you look at the in hindsight, it was then, but should it have been? And, and people are coming out of the woodwork to challenge that that authority and that establishment. Reggie Bush is just the latest. Here's the deal. They should just give him his Heisman back. Let bygones be bygones. I mean, come on. But did what was he really guilty did it of? Damage his reputation. I mean, I don't view Reggie I Bush mean, any different than yes. In that one thing that pops up immediately when you think of Reggie Bush is the guy who had his Heisman Trophy taken away along with OJ Simpson. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's part of his bio. But so from that perspective, yes. But I don't view it as. Uh, Reggie Bush, I mean, Reggie Bush won the Heisman, though. I, I still view him as a Heisman winner, and I view his season as valid because we know he wasn't the only one. He was just the one that was the best and won the trophy. Like, I, I don't... Yeah, sometimes, though, people I don't just want to win. Well, and... And I, he wants a win against the NCAA and getting that trophy back. And I don't blame him. Yeah. But it... Defamation versus just, hey, give me the Heisman back. Just give it to me. Coming up, Christopher Okoye joins us on Hot Mike with Honey Withrow. Sixth and Peabody are location with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Hope to be joined uh, soon by the Nigerian nightmare, Christian Okoye. Coming up in 20 minutes, Joe Theismann will be on the show. Uh, Chad, I seem to be, uh, and I know I am, I'm down on Hard Knocks currently. I didn't watch last night. I didn't watch Swamp Kings. Last I forgot night. it was on last night. I need, to, I need to watch episode three. I've only seen the um, first two. I need to. I need, Hard Knocks to pick it back up a bit after episode two. Because I, you know, I want to follow that show like I did a decade ago, you know? Yeah. Meanwhile, the, the reviews for Swamp Kings have been awful. And my stance is if I hear awful reviews, I don't plan on watching a show to try it out on my own. If I think that the people that I trust, like if Chad were to say, hey, this movie's really good, check it out. Or that's eh, not worth it. I'm, I know we've, virtually like the same things, right? Yeah. The, the history factor of Oppenheimer. I was all in, and you said it was worth very good. I'm all in to go see it. Had you told me, uh, you know, that it was awful, I wouldn't have paid money to go see it. Um, I feel the same way about Swamp. But you saw it and you liked it. I did. I did. Yeah, I, I just think there's so much stuff out there right now that you can go back and watch, watch that's new, but also there's so much good stuff that you can go back and watch at any time. Here's an example. Hun, do you know what the most streamed hourly show is right now that's being consumed across the country. It's a show from like 2008 to 2014 from USA Network called Suits. Really? Netflix picked it up, and it is lapping everyone else in hours consumed this summer. Wow. People just found the show on Netflix, and it aired years ago. It was a popular show for USA. It went like nine or ten seasons. But people are watching it because it's a good, entertaining Soft watch. You know, you have hard watches and soft watches. The soft watch is something you could look at your phone or do something else while paying attention to and still follow the plot and understand what's going on and enjoy it. The hard watch is like True Detective season one, right? Where you're watching yeah, for so every clue background. and everything. Yeah. So, you know, people want to be entertained, but also there's so only so many hours in the day. I'm interested in probably a lot more entertainment than you or most, so I'll watch more. 
But like you, I need to be really into it if I'm going to even press play, devote time to it. And I'm really into the concept of a deep dive, untold type look story that those Florida teams with all the issues on the field with Urban Meyer and Tim Tebow and all of that. But every review that I've seen of this is essentially that it is a puff piece for the Florida Athletic Department. That does not interest me in the least. So the fact I'm reading those reviews... It's a four-episode deal, ...does too, not right? get me excited. So I, I've, I've not brought myself to the point where I can hit play on the first episode. I've but heard, maybe someone can convince me I've otherwise. heard one good review from a Florida fan. Have you heard a good review? Of I've heard a good review from a, a buddy of mine in, in my neighborhood, uh, shout-out Nick, who says it's great. Said the first episode, you know, give it a chance. It's really good, very entertaining. And I guess it's a lot of just expectation... You know, I'm thinking if they're going to get into Aaron Hernandez and different things, which right. apparently they don't, right. then I'd be interested in it. It's what we're looking for in this type of documentary. And to me, the reviews I've read, it's not delivering. The Nigerian nightmare, Christian Okoye, uh, joins us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. 23 years old is when he played ball. And here we are talking to the most intimidating guy in the NFL in 1989 uh, after not even playing the sport until his 20s. Great to have you back on. Good to visit with you. How are you? I'm great, man. Thank you so much for having me back. What do you think of the running back position right now across the league compared to your era and your your dominance and the intimidation factor that offenses were like, especially that Chiefs running game uh, whenever you hit your stride? (laughs) <laughs> well, i tell you what, you know, I mean, that's the uh, talk of the town now because uh, running back position has been looked down upon, you know, um, but they are still very important position because uh, if you look back to um, the last Super Bowl, uh, the Chiefs won, um, we started running the ball, especially in the second half. And uh, if you look at uh, Patrick Mahomes' stats, who was the MVP of the game, he uh, he threw the ball. He uh, it was the yardage was 182 yards that he had in that, in that game. But uh, we started running the ball in the second half, and we held on to the ball, and that's actually what helped us win that game. If you were starting over right now this year, and you're starting your football journey and coaches are trying to decide where you're going to play, do you think you'd be a running back again, or do you think you'd be someone rushing the passer or playing tight or playing another position? Because you were certainly different in your time as a running back at your size. Do you think you would have been directed to play a different position? Would you have wanted to play, uh, give another position a shot if you started over today and see the way the game is played? If I start over today, I'll be an outside linebacker. Of course, you know, because a running back position is not an easy position. It's a, it's a position where, you know, um, you're, you're expected to be a part of the play, each play throughout the game. You know, we get smacked around a lot. And, uh, I mean, I loved it. I, uh, I enjoyed it when I played. But if I had to start over today, I'll be outside linebacker. And you get paid more. If you're an outside linebacker today and, and, and that, you know, I, I have to think Christian, there's going to be players starting out that are going to start making business decisions 
when there's a great athlete, knowing they're going to play Division One, knowing they're going to have a chance at the NFL, when you see the pay structure for an outside linebacker that can rush the passer as, a, as opposed to a running back. Exactly, exactly. You know, today, so much emphasis is laid on the quarterback. Quarterbacks have their it's a passing league, so of course you got to pay the quarterback. You need a good quarterback on your team in order to win or in order to advance in the playoffs um, because uh, it's a passing league. Uh, but you still need to run the ball. If you run the ball, it helps your defense. It helps you hold on to the ball, and uh, it helps the whole team. Um, I always talk about the last um, you know, when New England were winning their Super Bowls, Tom Brady didn't have that great of uh, of stats, you know. He was throwing a uh, you know two hundred yards, not too much of a three hundred yard passing games. But he they they ran the ball. But one thing is that they never had uh, a, a featured back that comes in year after year, like uh, the Eric Dickersons and Walter Paytons and you know Earl Campbells and so on and so forth. But uh, they always have different guys running the ball, but they did run it. And it helped their defense. It helped their offense. It helped the whole team to hold on to the ball, you see. So, yes, we are still, still, as running backs, are very important in the game. Christian Okoye, our guest on Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow here across the Outkick Network. You and Akeem Olajuwon grew up about eight hours from each other in Nigeria. When did you first hear of Akeem? And uh, it's not like... I, you started playing football at 23. It's not like you weren't a great athlete growing up. When did, did when did he learn about you? Did you did you come across each other prior to your pro careers? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. I um, I heard about Akim Olajuwon and became a big fan of his when I was in college. Um, I remember watching him play in the national championships uh, when he was still in college. And then, of course, um, he went to NBA and was playing for the Rockets. And um, I, I, I was a big fan of the Rockets, and I was a big fan of him. And um, when I was touring uh, to get into the NFL, Houston Oilers at the time flew me to Houston to uh, visit the team, and they had a Christian Okoye with me for two or three days. So I stayed with him. He took me around the town, around town and uh, showed me the town. And um, uh, it was a great host. And uh, that's when we became friends. What have you seen from when you started? Of course, uh, the those that grow up in Nigeria, they, they have looked up to you and Akeem. Now the NFL has the International Pathway Program. Where are we today compared to expectations when you left football due to injuries? Ooh, injuries now is, is not even nearly as bad as it was. I mean, we still have injuries today because we do report it. Back then, it was never reported. Uh, but you hear about injuries because it was, it's being reported today. Um, I'll, I'll tell you for an instance. I, uh, I remember um, when we went to Seattle in 89, and uh, I, my shoulder came out of you know socket. Uh, they put it back in. I went back in the, in the game and played and finished the game. The, for the rest of the season, every time I hit somebody with my right shoulder, my 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 shoulder would pop out. And I learned to put it back in. You know, no complaints. I never complained. Never came off the field. 
Um, but today, those type of injuries, you is is a, a season-ending injury, you know. So, yeah. but uh, it's just different today, which is good. It's very good in a good way. Uh, back then, the guys will be, you know, have concussions. They give you a smelling sauce, and uh, you come out of the field for a few plays, and then you go back in. Uh, so it's different today. Would you describe the story you just told in the NFL of your day as tough or stupid? And in contrast, would you describe the NFL today as smart or soft? Well, today is smart, not soft. It's, it's smart. They're doing it the right way, I think. And back then, uh, I would say tough, uh, somewhat stupid, because um, I wouldn't say, you know, go for, as far as saying stupid because, you know, back then, guys were just saving their spots on the team. You don't want to say too much because when you say too much, uh, you'll be looked upon as soft, you know, and you'll be replaced. So guys don't complain so much about their injuries. And uh, I never did. I'm a, I know most, most of my teammates who had injuries never um, uh, uh, complained as much but today it's smart to talk about it when you are injured you better talk about it you know because uh um after you retire and you turn 50 everything comes back to you what are you up to now christian i'm doing several things i um, i have a foundation um uh, which i started in 1990 working with underprivileged kids and uh, i have a chapter in nigeria helping ki- helping kids back home and uh, also, I'm the founder and the president of the California Sports Hall of Fame, which keeps me busy. Uh, no doubt about that. Uh, Christian Okoye has been our guest. Uh, it, final thing, is Derrick Henry the closest thing to the Nigerian nightmare that we saw in 89 currently in the league today and in years past as well, coming through the ranks and the dominance that we've seen? Well, I will say yes, because there's nobody close to him today in the game. But one thing you have to realize is that, you know, uh, teams, players don't tack, don't practice tackling anymore. You know, so if you're a big guy that runs that run tough like he does, uh, he will be hard to tackle. You know, back then when I was playing, <laughs> man, people were coming from everywhere. They were tackling you with everything they got you know, trying to get you back. You know, I carried guys on my back, you know, several yeah. times. Uh, but it, it, that will never happen today because guys will just slide off and uh, he keeps running. Great to visit with you yet again, and uh, hopefully we can do it in the in the near future. Well, thank you so much. One thing I got to say is that I got a book coming out in November 7th. Uh, if anybody's interested, they should Google Nigeria Nightmare on Amazon to get it. We will uh, we'll tweet that out as well. November seventh, nope. you said, Christian. November seventh. All right, we fantastic. Got it. We look forward to that. Nigerian nightmare. Awesome. Thank you so right, much. Thank you, Christian Okoye. Christian Okoye running the California Sports Hall of Fame, and his nickname is in the nickname Hall of Fame. Oh, One of the greatest of all time. Nigerian ab- nightmare. Absolutely. The name of an upcoming book. I, I wonder if there's like a fraternity for those tall running backs like Christian. When you ask about Derrick Henry, yeah, but he's I so, think about Eddie George. I think about Jim Brown. I think about guys, you know, over 6'1", that are the thing is that like, good at the running back position. What's crazy to consider is Henry's playing around 240, 245. He was at 260 and in that frame. Also, 
an inch or two shorter. You know, he's listed six one. Yeah. But six one, six two. Derrick Henry's six three, six four. Standing next to him, you know, that the difference in height. It's crazy to think of the size of Okoye. And I loved his answer. He came right out and said, no, I'd be an outside linebacker yeah. if I started and over I, in today's game. That's where they would play me, and that's where I'd, I'd want to play. And I think, well, and I said, whenever the, we're debating the pay for the position, I do think, like, and even at the lower level, you know, high schools, uh, middle school ball, kids are going to want to play other positions just based on what they're seeing their favorite athletes do and who's making the headlines, who's getting paid, who's not. And the parents that push certain positions and coaches that want to entice players to play and play a lot. There's even recruiting at the high school ranks, as we all know. <laughs> so, it's, hey, come uh, play wide everywhere. receiver here. Be quarterback here. You don't have to be running back where you're currently You get guys in the, the transfer chart. portal every year in high school football all over the place and going all over the country. Coming up from Okoye to Theisman. Joe Theisman jumps on with us. Hot Mike with Hunter with our rolls on across the Outkick Network. Six the Peabody, our location with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Our thanks to Christian Okoye for joining us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Coming up in a couple of minutes, Joe Theisman will be with us. Getting him uh, set up on Zoom currently. Looking forward to this chat. Because Hutton, I don't know about you. You know, we always think about things we knew about in our childhood or heard or saw. Yeah. When I think being a kid and Sunday night, I hear the voices of Mike Patrick and Joe yeah. Theismann on Sunday Night Football. I can hear the cadence of both of them talking back and forth over a, a Seahawks-Rams game on Sunday night or whatever it was. I, I just have – your childhood memories sort of become flashes and not fully formed memories as years go on. I really enjoyed Mike Patrick. And I really on. have flashes of, yeah. like, my parents' living room and the TV on the floor and Sunday Night Football being on and hearing Mike Patrick – and Joe Theismann call the game. It's very fond memories that I have of that team on ESPN for Sunday Night Football. But I always think about that with my childhood. I wow. hear the, the voice of, of Joe Theismann every time. We'll, we'll tie in the Washington Commanders here for a moment with Theismann as we, we hope to be joined by him in a second. Uh, so uh, Terry McLaurin is undergoing uh, hand – excuse me, he's got a, a issue with his foot. And they had x-rays and there was like a – kind of good report from Ron Rivera on McLaurin and his, you know, the, how they hope the recovery will be instead of actually saying what the x-rays determined in all of this, Chad. Yeah, it was um, very uh, telling quote, possibly the quote is Ron Rivera. This is on the status of Terry McLaurin. For the most part, Terry's x-rays are negative and his MRI showed the same thing. For the most part. <laughs> Started with for the most part. Ended with for the most part on Terry McLaurin. Um, not great. Yeah. Someone retweeted, I saw that was really funny, and said, for the most part, Ronnie Lott's hand is okay. <laughs> and, I mean, that's a good way to put it, right? Yeah, like, mean, it sounds like either he's just not trying to give definitive answers on something or what he's trying to say is like he's trying to avoid saying they found something else. I mean, but I don't know that you find that in an X-ray. For the most part, to me, that means he That's doesn't really MRI. know what the X-rays showed. Yeah, or without trying to, I, I mean, without trying to say I have no idea. Yeah, 
Like, yeah, he did have x-rays. We've done some tests, and for the most part, he's okay. That, that's, that doesn't meet the standard of the regular season injury report, you know? Uh, same goes for the most part. When Will Levis was hurt last week in Minnesota, it was lower body injury is what uh, Koharski reported. And that was all he could get. Like, what is this, hockey? Yeah, the hockey, upper body, lower body. Well, that's more than what you get yeah, in college football. They don't, yeah, they don't have to give anything. In college, I mean, uh, there badly needs to be injury reports in college football. Well, LSU's be, doing it. Yeah, there needs to be some standard, though, across I agree. conferences or however you want to do it. There's different rules for different conferences, but there's got to be a standard uh, of you know, questionable, doubtful, probable, whatever, and give a little bit more detail. Well, think about it from Brian Kelly's standpoint in LSU. You know, he's saying, hey, I have no problem giving an injury report on the status of a guy because it's not that big of a benefit for us to hide information like that going into a game. Joe Theismann joins us. Uh, of course, uh, it, you can always talk Redskins and Commanders uh, with Theismann. And nowadays, Joe, I could... I could say, hey, we could also talk a ton of Notre Dame, given the landscape of college football and the relevance of them being independent versus the landscape of the future that we foresee happening at the very top of the sport. Hope things are well and uh, never a shortage of football discussion with you. No, I appreciate it, Jonathan, and hello to you, Chad, as well. Um, I, I just, you know, as far as Notre Dame goes, I'm excited for this year. Sam Hartman, our young quarterback, who's a transfer from Wake, I think, is something special. I mean, he had a in horrible weather um, in, in the spring game. He looked really good. I think uh, Marcus has done a terrific job with the defense. We were young a year ago. Of course, opening at Ohio State's never an easy task for anybody. And it, you know, we had a quarterback that was inexperienced. But we've got all those elements now, and I, I think Notre Dame could be that team that's not in the top five that could surprise people. Joe, with all this movement in college football, do you think Notre Dame is going to be able to preserve their independent status, or will they be eventually forced to join one conference or another? Well, we are in the ACC. I think people don't realize that. I think we play six games in the ACC, and our other sports are in the ACC as well. So, in essence, we are sort of in a conference. But the way I, the way I look at this is, why would Notre Dame commit to anything right now? With, this looks like a shuffled deck. Every, every year, somebody's moving somewhere. Everybody's going someplace else. There's new configurations in the conferences. You know, once maybe some stability is created in college football, which has become an absolute mess with the portals and the NILs and everything else that has turned college football into semi-professional football. Um, it, it, I think Notre Dame is in an excellent position to be able to evaluate where they want to go and what they want to do. Everybody sort of moves for the money to the SEC or the Big Ten or the, you know, Big 12, whatever it might be, Notre Dame basically has a network of its own with NBC. And if NBC didn't want it, I know there, I'm sure there are other suitors out there that will pay a handsome price for Notre Dame football. So I think there's so many other elements to evaluate. But right now, I think the landscape is so muddled and muggy, or messed up. I mean, why would, they, why would you want to give up your independent status now? Joe Theismann, our guest on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. How would you describe the landscape of Washington Commanders football with new ownership and the energy that we saw on Monday night, albeit a preseason game, you would have thought they won a playoff game uh, based on the reaction. Well, you know, it's really funny. It's the energy in that town is off the charts right now. Um, 
Obviously, there's a lot of focus on the football field and the players as opposed to in the past. We've had a lot of focus off the field. That has changed under new leadership and new ownership. Um, I, I thought that Sam Howell, our young quarterback, looked really, really solid and good. But, you know, that's a preseason game. Um, and now, you, you know, you're going to look forward to 17, hopefully more games being able to play. He only has one real game under his belt, and that was against the Cowboys in the last game of the season last year. But the enthusiasm is incredible. I've been out to practice a few times. They they put up a 2,500 seat. They have over 2,500 seats now at the practice facility, and most of the time they're two they're two thirds to three fourths full. Sometimes completely full. The fans are excited. Uh, and and from a player standpoint, it's it's exciting to run out on, on the practice field and feel the energy of the fans and have them screaming and yelling and. Guy, somebody makes a catch, somebody makes a, a play, and people are cheering and yelling, and it, it's sort of a, a mini stadium kind of a feel, and it's exciting for the players, and I think it's exciting for the city. Joe, what have been your early returns and observations and in, in, in seeing practice, but also the preseason there for Eric Bieniemy, the new play caller? Well, I think, you know, uh, there was a little bit of hubbub, I guess, a week or so ago, because Eric was basically, you know, maybe some of the guys, he felt like they were, he was a little rough on him, but geez, you haven't won. What do you expect? I mean, you don't you you don't want to fall into whatever mode you were in before that created you know an, an ability not to be able to win. You know, this team over the last five years has averaged averaged less than twenty one points a game, and they scored twenty nine against the Ravens. Now, preseason game, I understand that, but you know, I I love to say this: hope springs eternal in Washington for this football team. It's been a long time since anybody's had anything to cheer about. And so what we saw, I think, in the game on Monday night was a lot of pent-up frustration and cheers for something that they've seen, some great catches, some great throws. Defense was was on point. Matter of fact, of, of all the preseason games I've watched probably in the last three or four years, that was the most entertaining game that resembled a regular season game, even though Lamar didn't play. But, I mean, it was, you know, the final score was 29-28. So it was exciting. And uh, I think that's what some that's what the people in Washington have to look forward to. And, you know, the nice thing is they open with Arizona at home in their in their first game. So it's a game where Arizona still hasn't you know, really made a decision on who they want their quarterback to be. And it's getting closer to that witching hour. So um, I, I, all all signs are pointed up. Let me just say that. Joe, I can't remember an offseason where all of the discussion was about one player with one team the way it was this past offseason, going into this season with Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets. Does that make you nervous if you're looking at the Jets with all of that attention, or do you think they're worthy of the hype now with that roster and Aaron Rodgers coming in? I think they're worthy of the hype. I, I, you know, Aaron's got a ton of pressure on him. I mean, he's been brought there to be the guy to lead him to the promised land. He's got to be the Peyton Manning, the Tom Brady, the Matthew Stafford. He has to be the next one in line. You know, the Jets have gone all in. They've got, you know, they're in a situation where their defense is pretty good. Their offense hasn't played near to where it was because you had basically a rookie quarterback in Zach at the position. Now you've got a multi uh, MVP. You've got a world champion quarterback. You've got, I think, the best pure thrower of the football in the history of the game of the football, in the game of football. He, he's, he's the best pure thrower, the way he spins it the quickness with, with, with which he gets it out of his hands, the velocity with which the ball travels, the ease with which he, with how he throws it. All those things to me 
make him the best. But I think there's a ton of pressure in New York because, you know, the Jets fans are as frustrated as anybody when it comes to winning. And it's, it's a tough town. And so he and Russell Wilson are the two quarterbacks that I think uh, you'd have to say have the most pressure. Uh, but Aaron's, Aaron's used to it. It's, you know, it's a stroll in the park for him. He loves the attention. He loves being in New York City. He loves going to a Knicks game. He loves going to a Yankee game. He loves going to a Mets game. Uh, there's everything, everything that he could possibly imagine he has a chance to do in the city of New York. Joe Theismann, our guest across the Outkick Network. Joe, uh, we could certainly, as a Super Bowl champion, we could tie a Notre Dame as well here. How to Be a Champion Every Day, your book, uh, certainly a play on both of your experiences at the highest level. Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it, was, it was a labor of love. took a long time to finish it, like anything else. And I, I'm sure people out there can relate. You start a project, and all of a sudden you get distracted, and it sits there for a while. But I finally got it done in 2020. Uh, brought it out during the pandemic, which wasn't necessarily the best time to do something, but I wanted to get it out. It, it, what it takes is it takes the world of sports, the world of business, and our own lives, and I create parallels in it. It's not a football book. It's really a book about looking at our own lives, looking at the things that we can accomplish, looking at some of the things that I did that I should have done better or could have done better, and maybe having people look at their lives and say, maybe there's something in this book that can point me in a direction where I want to go. I talk about goals. I talk about attitude. talk about teamwork. talk about motivation. talk about opportunity. Um, and, and some great contributors to that. Uh, General Colin Powell, was, he wrote a, a, some stuff for me on leadership. Um, lots of different people that have contributed to the book as well, and lots of people who've contributed in my life. And Coach Gibbs was one. Certainly, Joe was a great influence in my life. Uh, former coach of the Steelers, or I should say the Jets, oddly enough, we mentioned them again, is Joe Walton, who, um, who really taught me how to play the game of football and some of the lessons that he shared with me. So it's just a way for people to, uh, to try and enjoy. You know, if you still have a little bit of time on the beach, it might be fun to pick it up and leaf through it. It's not a big book, but it's, uh, a fun, it's a fun book for me to go back through every now and then to remind myself of the things that I need to do. I look forward to checking that out. Hey, whenever you're hanging out with family, are you hanging with the Thiesmans or the Thiesmans? <laughs> Both. <laughs> when's, the, when's, the last one, when's the last time someone called you Joe Thiesman? When I go home to Jersey. Okay. When I get back to South River, all my buddies. And by the way, all of our names end in Y. Tommy, Bobby, Joey, Jimmy. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's part of growing up in New Jersey. I love it. And we're all Thiesmans. I back love it. There. Joey Thiesman has been our guest. Here on Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow. Theisman is the stage no name, but doubt. it's done him very well. Oh, it's perfect. Joe, thank you so much for it the turned time. Out okay. We always yeah, well, absolutely. We we enjoy the perspective as always. We look forward to the next visit. I do too. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. It. Thanks, Joe. Yeah. There he is, Joe Theisman. Joey Theisman. Joey Theisman. That's gotta be crazy when it's just oh that it sounds yeah. better. Okay. And it's weird when people he was always been, we've talked to him at Super Bowls in years past, Hutton. He's always just totally okay with it. Totally. Right? Yeah. Like when it started happening and then it became a rhyming with Heisman, it worked out well at yeah, Notre the, Dame. It's just media relations guy there did it. Yeah, don't don't care. You know, let's let's roll with it. Doesn't matter. I mean it works. Yeah. And he gets to go back home to Jersey and hang out with the Thiesmans. Chad coming up. Why the Angels will be remembered and why the Orioles will not. That's straight ahead on Hot My With That and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Teams. 